What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Awakened Soul. It's our very first... No, I take that back. It's actually not our first episode of the new year because we dropped the special episode New Year's Day. So... We're back with our second episode of the new year. I know, I know, I know. You're used to hearing AJ's voice to start off the podcast. We're going to get into it. Um, I wanted to uh, just start this one off uh, by wishing everyone, hoping everyone had a great holiday season. Hopefully everyone's kicking their new year off with a great start. Um, we we have a lot to get into over the course of this show, so I'm looking really forward to it. But we're going to do it a little bit different. So, you hear my voice now. Um, that's because we're actually going to get into quite a vibe this week. Um, that's going to go a little bit longer. So I, I I wanted everyone to expect it. I want everyone to just sit back, enjoy uh, this the vibe that we're going to get into, the song that we're going to get into. Because once we kick off the show, it's definitely going to be eh, we're going to get into the shits pretty early. Um, we are actually not talking about R. Kelly. This is, I promised uh, BJ on Twitter, this will be probably one of the only podcasts for the culture that does not touch on R. Kelly this week. I, I'm just I'm just not doing it. I, I may do a special episode on it. I've been invited on Definite Fringe from Billy Ray Valentine to talk about it. So I may get it all off there. I'm not, not quite sure how I'm going to handle it. It definitely does need to be talked about. But just this week not going into it i'm just not doing it. It, it it it's a one of those things that really it gets me fired up so because we already have some shit that's gonna fire me up over the course of this episode and we end it with a great guest a great interview and an announcement just to keep all that vibe going i actually am not going to touch on it this week at least not on this episode like i said maybe a special episode we'll see how how it all works out and goes but enough of me enough of me uh we're gonna go ahead and get into it aj take it away the following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. You might be Got no time to waste. Yeah. 
funny because in you know i always try to pick some soulful music to start off the show with and i came across that and i'm like where do i cut it at where do i stop where do i um fade in fade out and i just realized like i think that it's honestly just best to leave that song whole i don't think i've ever played a full song here on the awakened soul so like that rendition of that song just to me um it, it 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 left me speechless. If I'm just being 100 percent honest, I like I didn't know where to cut it. Um, the singer on that one, if you guys aren't familiar with her, is India Carney. So definitely go and check her out. Um, she does a lot of like funk um, renditions of songs that we all know and we've all heard before. But her voice is so unique and so special um, that it really like completely changes the tone of the song. Um, and it's all ac- acoustic, uh, live instruments is just, if you, if you're a fan of acoustic music, if you're a fan of soulful music, live music, anything, you would definitely, definitely, definitely love what she's, what she does with these songs. So my gift to you guys this week is it, hopefully if you guys didn't already know about her, India Carney, go and check her out. I can't say that, stress that enough. This is an unpaid advertisement. Um, so it's just a just a, a great rendition of the song. So there you go. Uh ladies and gentlemen, you uh didn't catch it at the top of the show. This is the Awakened Soul. I'm your host. The one and only CEO Hayes is back in the building this week. Kicking off the new year with the first full episode. I know we had a, a special episode with me and socially unacceptable, which was great. It was funny. Um just counting down the best moments from 2018. It was just a dope discussion between um us three if you haven't checked that out go back and check i think we recapped the year uh pretty well there we also recapped the year in hip-hop on the breaks radio that's me and my brother johnny go and check that out i i i know i know i do a handful of podcasts but the thing is uh i'm not gonna plug the, f- the film frequency um i'm not gonna do that on this this go around but 
seriously, go and check out the Burks Radio. Johnny and me put a lot of work in there. And if you guys are hip hop heads, you're definitely going to get fed there. I'm going into 2019. We're actually going to move move some stuff around. It's not going to be just hip hop. We're going to be covering music as a whole, R&B, just everything of the culture. Really excited for uh, what's coming around on the Burks Radio coming in 2019. But that that's that's it. That's enough prefacing. I hope everyone's year has kicked off well so far. Um seven days into it officially when by the time this drops or seven days into the new year how has that first week treated you guys hopefully well hopefully any of your uh goals or i don't really like saying resolutions but anything that you've set forward you guys are starting to take a step in the right direction only seven days so it's not like you can uh or i mean if you have made big progress towards the more power to you but you know, we just hope that that year is starting off to you kicking in the right direction. Um, as I said at the top of the show, if you're tuning in to hear my thoughts on surviving R. Kelly, you will not be getting them on this episode. Just let you know, you're not getting them on this episode. Need to let that breathe a little bit. I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it. You guys know what to do. We are going to go ahead. We're going to get into, even though we just had, I think by far the largest musical, per- you know what? I take that back because on the episode, the kickback, that was a lot of music on the kickback. So we had quite a, quite a bit of, I think that episode was majority music. Um, just me speaking through music. Um, but we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. We're going to get into our actual intro music for this week. Um, well, our intro music every week, our official intro music. We're going to come back. We're going to go into my dark and twisted mind. That is the end of mine. Hey, segment. I will see you guys right after this. stepping into the dark and twisted place that is my mind and for any first time listeners the in the mind of hay segment is where i get off anything uh that's just in my mind whether it be music film tv pop culture social issues political issues just a little bit of anything the, the in the mind of hay segment could be anything and everything just depending on the week but this week i said we were not going to talk about r kelly directly which we are not but while the topic of protecting our women and underage and just everything that's going on there in, in, in that conversation now, a video was uncovered, uh, I guess not uncovered, but uh, has gone viral again from 2010 uh, with Drake being on the stage with a 17 year old girl. Uh, he calls her on stage. He actually does kiss her, then ask her age and this is what follows. All 
right, so that was just a clip from the video. So that's not the full video. If you want to see the full video, um, just so you can get the visual and, and everything and see how it all went down, um, just just Google it, Drake, 17-year-old. It'll be the first thing that comes up now. But that gets, spins off into our next conversation. Of course, you guys know stuff like this really, and well, for people who've been long-time listeners of The Awakened Soul, anything with like underage and rape and all that, it really gets to me. Um, but this now reminds me of like when the Me Too movement kicked up. So now are we going to go since the surviving R. Kelly thing is going to be a resurgence of pulling up videos or information of any time any celebrity um, had any type of interaction with anyone underage or inappropriate things there. I don't know. I can't say yes or no. I feel like it's wrong either way. Um, I mean, for for inappropriate behaviors with teenagers at all. Now, this did happen in Colorado where the age of consent in Colorado is 17 and the young lady was 17. So technically nothing illegal happened there. Um, but with the like I said, you know how the culture goes with the surviving Art Kelly thing and this new amount of awareness now is is are we going to start seeing um, social media and other things go through with the fine tooth comb and, and bring a lot of stuff back up? As I said before, you know, the, the the thing that bothers me so much is in this particular clip. I just want to say I'm trying to keep it particular to this one is that when Drake found out he was 17 and saying, oh, I can't go to jail. Uh, the whole thing of, of why you built like that is seventeen. those are those are the toxic mindsets that are, be, are that are now being um rightfully so gone after um because just saying that as as a father that's creepy as fuck um and so why people think that that's appropriate it it, it isn't to me so we'll see how this continues i'm sure like i said we're gonna get a new brash of, of things like this coming up about celebrities and other entertainers and i for one fucking do it um like I said, the I do want to make sure that I point out the age of consent in Colorado where this happened is 17. So technically nothing illegal happened there. But it does make your skin crawl, doesn't it? I'm sure we'll be tackling this subject um, in, a, in, a, in a wider scope and in a, at a deeper level because this isn't something that I really want to go all the way in in just the mind of a segment because I feel like, you know, the mindset of of um, kind of. I don't want to say luring 17 years because, again, that wasn't what happened in this particular Drake situation. But the prying on younger women by older men in the community and for so long, it just kind of being like whatever. Like how many of us have went to high school and we had a junior, a senior, sometimes even a sophomore uh, dating someone who was a grown person who like picked them up from school and stuff like we, we we've all seen it. Um, so if, if we're now, um, as a culture, we're going to go ahead and, and attack that more power to it. Let's do it. Um, but we're going to, I'm sure, like I said, this will all be getting into, I'm sure one of the discussions on, on the whole topic that I'll be having soon. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to move into the next thing. And this goes right back to, uh, my old stopping grounds in St. Louis. And I definitely wanted to mention this because I know how corrupt St. Louis is. And actually when we refocus this, um, this podcast, uh, not too long ago when I had that epic rant, it was after, it was on the episode where we were discussing the St. Louis workhouse jail and the conditions there. And uh, we also talked a lot of um, how the charges are more extreme in certain cases in St. Louis. Go back and check out that episode, which is episode 60, 70, I believe. Back on track, I believe, is the title of that episode. Um, so, yeah, definitely go and check that out. But moving on, um, Wesley 
Bell, who uh, was elected as the St. Louis County prosecutor in his second day of office, um, fired the prosecutor who failed to get an indictment against Darren Wilson in the Mike Brown case. Um, so he's coming right in and making big changes uh, there. You know, some people, of course, look at it as writing some wrongs some things that should have been done before. And, you know, shout out to AJ for what we're going to do, because he did a big episode um, once Wesley Bell did, you know, was elected. Um, I think that was like I honestly one of his last episodes before he went ahead and canceled what we're going to do. Uh, what we go and do let me let me say it right um but those episodes are still up if you want to hear that episode in which he talked about it and he's he made some other personnel choices um changes i should say um and he even said well we wish these three individuals well um he's also made changes to the way that st louis county is going to be prosecuting marijuana cases so now marijuana cases that that involved less than 100 grams would no longer be prosecuted and even those that do involve over 100 grams there has to be evidence to prove that there was an intent to sell or distribute that marijuana um for them to prosecute the case and again this is I know this topic is going to more so hit a lot of my St. Louis listeners, but I feel like it's important because I've been in that system, not the jail system, but I've been in St. Louis. I lived there for 12, 13 years um, and it is very much corrupt. And this next one is kind of going to link back into the back on track episode. And that was um, that cash bail will no longer be requested in misdemeanor cases. That links back to that workhouse conversation of the St. Louis workhouse conversation that we had not too long ago, where a lot of people that were jailed there were for misdemeanor cases because they, they only accepted cash bail. So there we go there. Uh, Prosecutors may not threaten witnesses to force them to testify in cases. Again, making changes right off the top. Um, And then also um, not one that I necessarily I don't know how I feel about this. I'm going to have to take some time to to process it. But he also um, has said that people who fail to pay child support will no longer be prosecuted either. And that uh, unpaid child support will no longer be the sole reason to revoke someone's probation. Um, I I agree on the probation thing. The whole prosecuting on failure to pay child support. I'm kind of in the middle because I think I think it's kind of a case by case. Like some people legitimately try to avoid paying their child support. I know people. I know certain people's situations in which they flat out do that. But then again, some people don't pay their child support because they legitimately can't find work because they've been jailed or they have been put on probation for child support. Um, and it's hard to get hired. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm of the mind just generally as a blanketed statement, pay your fucking child support. Uh, like there's no reason. But uh, as I've said before, Missouri's one and I think I actually talked about that on my Black Long Legal Lies episode. Missouri is one of the most notoriously harsh child support payments uh, places, just what they do to fathers there. Um, and so hopefully this is a step in, in correcting that portion of it. I still say pay your fucking child support. But, you know, that's just me. I don't mean to be insensitive in anyone's case. But Wesley Bell is coming in to the St. Louis County and making some big changes right off the bat. Like I said, he did that. Most of those on his second day in office. So, um uh, over his fourth, first week, that's what he's done. Um, and he his whole platform was to cause change in that city. And let's hope that he, that he does it because St. Louis is terrible. And for, I know those who don't live there may not quite all the way grasp it, but it's true. Um, so those those are the things that are on the mind of Hayes 
this particular morning. Uh, we're going to go ahead. We're getting to a break. I have one more thing to talk about before we get into the main discussion topic. So I'll see you guys right after this. What's up, everybody? This is Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs. And I am Afro Becky, a.k.a. Afro Becky. And we are the Black Law and Legalize Podcast, Podcast. a weekly legal podcast for the culture. Each week, we have conversations with our co-host Anne, a licensed and practicing slash ratchet ass attorney, as well as myself, a rehabilitated criminal and our lovely, esteemed moderator, Afro Becky. Most of our topics are legal in nature, and we discuss them in a relatable way. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Yo, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Or you can find us on social media at Black Law Podcast. So check us out. Or don't. Hey! What? Sometimes people do like the opposites. Desperado. Sitting in a a man is hot as hollow. Take it easy. I'm not trying to go against you. Actually, I'm going with you. Gotta get up out of here and you and leave me. I know you won't, cause we share common interest. You need me there, ain't no leave me. Never know, no. Just one out of here, yeah. I'm gone, ain't no going back. If you want, we can be either run away. All right. All right. So I know I said I have one more thing to get to you guys on before we get into the main discussion topic, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. We have a published author in the building uh, this week in uh, Tanisha Brianna. So that's a, a dope conversation. Just you guys are going to get it in just a second. Um, but I want to talk about uh, there's this new show called The Mass Singer, um, which is just fucking horrible, in my opinion. Um but I know people are going to like it. So it is what it is. But um, but in this uh, and OK, let me say this. So Scoop could actually not. Uh, well, he did record a segment, but he was having like technical issues. So no Scoop Grady this week, unfortunately. Um, so no petty news. We're all missing out on that. But um, in that show, Nick Cannon's haircut, like, f- first of all, the whole concept of the show is you have these elaborate costumes and. There are actually celebrities in these costumes that are singing and the judges are supposed to figure out like who is the singer. I think that like the concept is definitely dope. I think it needs some work because like they don't even have like a list to guess from. It's just out of all the world celebrities. But I I digress. Um, Nick Cannon's hair. Like, is he trying to channel Al Sharpton? Like, I, I, I don't know, like, what's going on with Nick Cannon said, people, please let me know, because I need to know, like, what's going on with, the, with, like, our coaches, like, and then, um, freaking young jock has bone like, boneless haircut from, uh, Dragon Ball Z with, like, this greenish, bluish hair, it, I'm just looking at this, like, what is happening, it, like, it's, it's hairgate, I guess that's what we'll call it, I just, I had to get that off my chest, like, because I had a little bit of extra space in between, I need to know, what the hell is going on with people's hair? Like, fuck it. I mean, you got to do what you do. Uh, let me know. Who do you think has the craziest hair? Um, we, so we got Young Jack. We got Nick Cannon. Uh, we'll put that up as a vote on the Awakened Soul page. Just some lighthearted fun. I, I really, really just want to know which one of you got. Like, I don't know. And he kind of looks like the the 
Oh my God. The uh is that is that coming to America? The preacher? Like I I don't know, man. It's deep. Uh or is that a vampire in Brooklyn? I I don't know. I'm I'm so fucking thrilled by this hair stuff. Um, which I shouldn't be. I really shouldn't be this worried about but you know what? I mean, hey, it is what it is. Let's go ahead. Um I just I had to get that off. I know that probably seems like a weird place to like just have a random segment on on celebrities' hair, but you know, I mean, fuck it. Um we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. We're going to actually get into the serious conversation uh, this week. We have the author of Naked in the Building. That is Tanisha Brianna, who actually took over the End of Mine Hayes segment last week. We got an announcement. We got some conversation about her book, about black creatives. We get into a lot in this uh, about 30 minutes or so of the interview. Um, like I said, also a special announcement that I can't wait to get to. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to get into uh, another brief break. And on the other side of that, it's time to get into the main discussion topic for this week's episode. This is Ms. 100. And this is Lady T. And we are the, the Hood, Hood Geniuses, Geniuses Podcast. Podcast. Every Monday we are releasing an episode, so make sure y'all stay tuned. And you can follow us on Twitter at Hood Geniuses Pod, on Facebook, Hood Geniuses Podcast, and on IG, Hood Geniuses Pod. And make sure y'all subscribe to our YouTube page so y'all can see us live and in the flesh. Yeah, and uh, we don't need Lady T to knuck and buck for y'all to start <laughs> listening to us. You know what I'm saying? So don't make Lady T knuck and buck. Hey, listen, I mean, eventually, you know what I'm saying, Lady T is getting up in age. So it may be, I may be in my wheelchair on my cane. I don't know. But I will get to you. <laughs> yeah, so make sure y'all do that. Hit that subscribe button, follow, and y'all can email us at hoodgeniuses.com. Pod at gmail.com. Thank you. gentlemen i love having first time guests on the podcast even though i guess this isn't technically your first time since you took over them in the minor hay segment but we have a published author here today i feel like i should just be pouring some wine we should be sitting back um <laughs> but enough of, enough of that enough of that <laughs> we got miss queen poison in the building and i just i love that name so i'm I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself by your real name but i just love that that username so i'm gonna keep calling you that Okay, well, we're putting out my government. I go by Tanisha Brianna, um, Queen Poison, a.k.a. Hips Honey Dip, a.k.a. the personification of Sunday dinners at your grandmother and forehead kisses from your mama. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> but we're here to talk about your book, Naked, um, amongst some other things. So I, I, you're officially, well, no, you're actually the second author we've had on The Awakened Soul, but I think the first self-published um, so let's just talk about that whole process of like deciding you wanted to do a book, deciding the route that you wanted to go with it, like everything, like just, just let's, let's, let's break that all down for a little bit. Okay. So with this process, I've been writing poetry for a long time. I first developed a love for it in like the sixth grade. And I'm quite sure you're familiar with the movie Love Jones. Absolutely. Okay. So when the character Darius does a blues for Nina, that did it for me. That's when I was like, ooh, I love that. I love the feeling it gives. That's for me. 
So from that, I just started writing and it more so was therapeutic for me. It more so was to get my emotions out because I didn't know how to verbally express what I felt. So writing down what I felt and keeping notebooks of it, that was my thing. So with this whole process, of course, you know, you got friends that try to push you in the right direction and say, hey, your stuff's really good. Go ahead and publish it. And I was like, okay, one day, one day, one day, I'll do it. And one day finally came for me. And I was like, I don't have nothing to lose. Let me go ahead and research and check out the process and see, you know, how I can get started. So I went into this kind of blind. I didn't know which direction to go in. Didn't know, you know, if I should publish to a company, if I wanted to self-publish. So it's a couple local artists that I knew of that already wrote books. So I would hit them up and pick their brain and ask them questions like, okay, you know, did you self-publish? Did you go through a company? What was that process like for you? What would you suggest? And based on the responses I got, I decided that self-publishing was a better option for me. Okay. Okay. Um. So do you, do you feel like, is that something that you would suggest other young creatives and writers to do to, to go the route of self-publish? Is, is that kind of like... I, I don't mean you're both big music fans, but like being like the whole independent artist, is it similar to that you feel? I think it is kind of like that. I mean, some people do get picked up by publishing companies. Um, if I did go with the publishing company, I personally would go black because, you know, I support the people and I feel like they would probably do me some justice, but I couldn't really find any black owned publishing companies that I think would go along the same route and give me the same result that I was looking for at the time. Okay. So, all right, now that we we know about like how you did, why you decided to go the route of self-publishing, which I wanted to get up, get done off the top because I think that that's very unique and uh something a lot of people want to hear. But let let's let's just talk about you first getting into writing. Like when did you fall in love with writing? When did you know this is what your passion was into? Um like I said, I I had this dope teacher, a dope English teacher named Miss Brown in the 6th grade. I'll never forget her. And she went over this poetry lesson. And like I said, Love Jones was my movie at the time. Like that, you couldn't tell me that wasn't the greatest movie out. And as she's going over this lesson, it really started to speak to me. And I felt it. And I was like, it's something about it you can't really just describe. It's what you feel. And that's what did it for me. I felt good whenever I wrote. I would write some stuff. And when I go back and look it over, I was like, wow, like I wrote that. That's what I thought. That's what I came up with. And it's like an aha moment. So like a light switch cuts on and okay. and it felt like a great feeling. And then the more I started to write, the better I got. So when I look back at old stuff, I was like, well, you know, maybe I could tweak this or what was, you know, what was I thinking? But when, for me, when I write enough and I look back over past things, I can connect the memory with what I wrote. So it's almost like a diary, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Do you, do you still have the first poem you ever written? Wrote, I oh, should God. say. Oh, gosh, no. But I definitely remember the feeling I had when I uh, first got on stage. So the first time I got on stage was at a talent show in my middle school. And it was a poem for my grandmother. And I remember just being an emotional wreck because my grandmother had passed and I was feeling bad and I wanted to get the emotions out. And I thought doing the talent show was going to, you know, make me feel better. But no, that was not a good idea at the time. (laughs) That's funny. How many open mics have you done? Is that is that something that you that you would be interested in doing now, or are you kind of past that stage? How do you feel about that? Um, I'm actually working on that because I've done the open mic three times, 
the first time I did it, like as an adult, I did really bad. I'm not even going to lie. I did terrible. <laughs> and it was a slam one on top of that. So the difference between a regular open mic and a slam, the slams are competitions. And I didn't realize that it was a competition until after the fact. And I realized I was being judged. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm already in it now. I might as well continue. Okay. But from that experience, that's how I got to meet a lot of local D.C. poets. And when I say the ones that do slam poetry, like they have all the respect in the world out of me because it takes a special breed to do those. What's what's the slam and like live poetry scene like in D.C.? I've been to D.C. once, but I didn't get to experience that at all. Is it like, a really big community of poets in D.C.? It's a lot. It seems like once you know at least maybe three you'll end up learning the rest of them because they kind of, they have their own cliques, so to speak. So once you get familiar with a couple people, you end up bumping into other people. And all it takes is like searching them on Instagram and you familiarize yourself with everybody. But it seems like it's new poets coming out almost every day. So it's really easy to go down a rabbit hole when you're finding out who the local poets are. That's what's up. That's what's up. I, I, I'm going to have to experience that when I'm there again. Um, I want to ask you this. So I find with like all all artists of all different ilks and different creative lanes that some pull more inspiration out of sad or maybe even negative moments in their life. Some pull and write better when they're in positive in a positive mind space or happy experiences. Is that at all? Do, do, are you comfortable writing in either? And does it affect your, of course it affects your writing, but is there anyone that you find it's easier to channel into your work, is it, whether it be positive or negative? Um, I can channel with either or, but it seems like you can pull more out of the sadness. It's something that's beautiful. It's beauty and misery. I hate to say it, but almost similar to like your favorite musical artist, like Mary J. Blige. Some of her best music was done when she was sad, when she was miserable, when she was upset, when she was trying to figure things out. And I'm kind of the same way. Now, granted, I have happy poems. You know, I have poems that go all across the board. But something about being sad, you can pull some beauty out of it. Okay. And I, I think I think Sam Smith is another artist like that. Like, he pulls everything out of, out of negative situations and just makes some beautiful music out of it. So that's... That's interesting. Who's some of your favorite artists? Whether it be poets, the visual artists, uh, songwriters, anything. Who are your, some of your, your biggest inspirations? Ooh, um, of course, I love Mary. You know, can't forget about Mary J. Blige. I love Jill Scott, um, Erica Badu. Her Baduism Live, hands down, one of my favorite albums. Um, Music Soul Child, D'Angelo, and I'm talking about like voodoo, D'Angelo. Um, no name gypsy, I think is dope. It's I love music. So that also helps me to write. When I listen to like a good EP or a good album, that can put me in a good mood. So um, but local poets like I love Rashid Copeland, Pages, um, Alicia Harris, Jasmine Mans is a definitely a dope poet. So it's I pull inspiration from everything. Okay. Okay. Well, um, do you want to, is there anything on your mind you want to talk about before we dig into some of these specific poems? Because there's a couple that I just have to, I have to understand where you kind of were in, in writing these. So I got questions. <laughs> oh, you just like dig all deep, don't you? <laughs> oh, I get it. It's the waking soul. We got to get to the soul of it. So yeah, we got to get deep. Okay. Well, you know, there's a couple questions I want to ask you before we get into that. Okay. 
Okay, so what made you want to create a podcast? Whew. Um, so it spun out from a, from a few different things. Um, so first, let me say, I in my real life, I hate talking. So this is like it was completely <laughs> unnatural for me at first. But I, I had um, I created the Awakening Soul because I had a I wanted to talk about things that our people really don't talk about much. I wanted to dig deeper. I wanted it to be a reflection. Like I think. So much in like popular culture, like black culture is looked at as something to imitate without really knowing what what's in what's really in the midst of it, like what's really in the depths of it. So I wanted to reflect that. So whether it be like I wanted to talk about like things like politics and mental health, which we don't talk about more uh, as much. But I also wanted to talk about our music, why our artists are so important to us, what makes them different, um, which that kind of spun into the breaks radio. But I really just I really wanted to be everything of of our culture all wrapped into one thing so that way uh people of, of our culture can come and listen to it and it can be like some a talking point from other people to have discussions and hear hear just some of their favorite things on but i also wanted it to be someone who, who's not necessarily part of our culture to be able to listen to and get and be like okay i never thought about it this way or okay i have i have never looked at it from that light i didn't know why that was so important to to the black culture so that that's where it started from Cool. So do you hope to do any live shows for the Awakened Soul? I want to. So like I've done a live show for the Breaks Radio. Um, I want to do one for for the Awakened Soul. But I think like I have to if I was to do a live show for the Awakened Soul, it would have to be like high concept. So it would have to be a mix between like a listening party of some soul music, like some live soul music. Then we can sit down and have a discussion topic that I really want the audience to get um, involved in. And then afterwards, it just have to be a party. I think like those are all the three phases of the Awakened Soul. So it wouldn't just be a straight, let me sit on stage and let's just pick a topic and just talk. I want it to be kind of be an, an event. And it's just, it's difficult to kind of pull the Awakened Soul specifically into a live show, I think, for me. Um, but maybe I'm just thinking about it a little too hard. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's all the questions I have for the moment. That's it? Okay. You gonna... <laughs> I said for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first uh, poem that I wanted to ask you about in this book, Strip. What was going on <laughs> in your mind when you wrote that? <laughs> oh, man. Strip. Um, that's basically the concept of just uh, speaking to someone in particular. This was an ex that I uh, was in a long relationship with. And in the beginning stages of, you know, any relationship and getting to know someone, you kind of have to make yourself vulnerable. So with Strip, I basically am telling him, like, you know, this is a safe space. There's no judgment here. I need you to open up, especially, you know, if we're going to be together. Like, you have to let me in. You can't just, you know, show me what you want to show me. I got to see everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Um, before I get into my next question, what was the most difficult poem for you to write out of this book? The most difficult one will more than likely have to be a letter to my father. Okay. That is, I don't, that was one of the ones I was going to ask you about, but I feel like I, I want the listeners to actually go out and read that one. Like it, maybe they can hit you up. Like I don't, I don't want, really want to peek behind that one too much only because there is a lot of heart in that one. So unless you want to talk about it. We we can talk about it. Like you know, the whole book is about me opening up. It's me, you know, exposing myself, showing parts of me that a lot of people don't see. So I have daddy issues. I'm not gonna lie about that. Me and my father don't have the greatest relationship. And as I got older, it got progressively more difficult. So 
it got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to try to fix this anymore if he's not going to put the effort in. So, of course, with growing up and trying to heal myself, I had to come to the terms that I have to forgive him for whatever he's made me feel, whatever, you know, I've thought of him. I have to forgive him in order for me to move on. So it was a wake up call for me because I had to have one of those uncomfortable conversations. Like I said, I don't always vocalize what I feel, but I've gotten better at it. Is vocalizing how you feel like I, cause I know some people have the question of like, well, you, you're you're a writer. So like you write about how you feel, but there's a, there is a difference in, in between vocalizing how you feel and writing about it. What ha, ha, did your writing help you learn to vocalize how you feel or was it vice versa? Did learning to vocalize it help you write? Um, it's the other way around. Writing it out helped me put into words what I needed to say. So it definitely helped me out a whole lot, especially me being, you know, I, I was shy and I used to be sheltered. So I didn't understand, I guess, the weight that me saying what I wanted to say out loud could carry, you know, just writing it down is one thing, but to actually project it is another. Okay. Okay. I feel that. Um, That's powerful. I like that. I like that. Um, The next I guess this is a set of poems that I that I want to talk about next. Toxic one, two, and three. Parts one, two, and three. Woo! Listen, <laughs> listen. Um, that was probably like, I, it was it was so like just like dense with content in it. Like, I this is the, probably the the most powerful three poems back to back, and of course they're three part of a bigger whole. Like, how how did you how emotional was it writing that? Like, just. Walk me through that process. So the funny thing is um, with Toxic Parts 1, 2, and 3, those are all like completely made up. So there's nothing I went through with that one. It basically was like, if I could tell a story, how good would it be? So I thought of three totally toxic um, situations. One relationship being, you know, a domestic violence situation and the woman getting cheated on. And she sees a text from the other woman. And on a list of bad things, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Then toxic part two is um, another domestic situation to where, you know, you're in a relationship and your significant other has you so tied into them that you cut off your family, which is like a fear of mine. Like, I would never want to be with someone that would cause me to cut off my family because me and my family are quite close. Then toxic part three is actually... Um, I don't know if you caught on to it or not, but it's a situation dealing with uh, abuse, drug abuse and addiction. So and with that one, I kind of seen parts of that firsthand with, you know, my dad's side of the family. I'm not going to get into detail about that, but, you know, seeing how that type of thing affects people. So three toxic situations that I feel that the reader can at least connect to one of those three. That's what's up. I mean, it, you guys have to read this book. Like, listeners of The Awakened Soul, I, I, I need y'all to show up for this book. Like, really, I, I really need y'all to support this. That's Naked is the title of it. With this, with amazing cover art, and that's what we got to get to next. This artwork on this book, it, walk me through it. So, um, a close friend of mine who's a graphic designer, I wanted to support her. And I came up to her and I said, look, when I do this book, I don't want anyone else on the cover but you. So... I had did business cards first and I showed her the business card and I said, I want the cover to somehow match that. And I said, I wanted to be sexy. I wanted, you know, to somehow deal with nudity because when someone sees the cover, they said, Ooh, naked. So they automatically thinking like it's going to deal with sex. 
And I said, that's what I want to bait them in. So that's what I want you know you to be drawn in by the cover. And when I gave her the concept and you know I paid her, she showed me the proof and I said, this is it. Like, I don't need nothing else. This is it. Like, you hooked me up. So, and I trusted her completely in the fact that she knows me well enough to deliver this. I was like, there's nothing more I could ask for. Yeah. It, 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 I, it's one of those things that is, it's almost like the perfect cover because it, it definitely catches the eye, even if you don't know what the book's about and you want to know more about it. And then the colors you use, like the silhouette with the yellow coming off of it or the gold, it's just, it's perfect. So, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, anything else? Because I got some stuff outside of just the book I want to talk to you about. Is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners or anything just to, to get them to come check out the book? What else should they know? Um, just support a black creative. That's all I ask. Take this piece of art, read it, digest it, take it however you will, give it to a gift, tell a friend to tell a friend. It, I hope you take this piece of me and it helps you become a better you. Ooh, okay. I like that. Um, would you ever, would you, I know it, it's poems. Would you, do you think you'd ever consider writing an actual like novel? Do you think you'd get into that type of writing? Or are you just going to stay in the poem realm? Um, it's possible. It's possible. Anything is open in the realm of possibilities for, as far as writing. I can't limit myself to just poetry. You know, if it comes to me and I get the right idea for it and I'm able to manifest it, so it'll be. Boom. Well, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to come back. And uh, I got a conversation that I want to talk to Tanisha about before we go. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take a brief break. You good? Yes. All right. All right. And so we're back. Um, so, ma'am, I got this. I got this. And you, you kind of mentioned it before the break. I was hoping you were going to go too far into it because I'm like, she's getting into my topic. But <laughs> <laughs> young black or just black creators in general, because I think that we have like a big thing of, of kind of like ageism in some, in some forms of art that we're really breaking through. Like you can be a 50 year old housewife and really just now getting into your creative mind because of the avenues everyone has, has opened to them. So I want to talk, I'm a creative, you're a creative, um, just about like kind of the renaissance of the black creative, um, musically, visually, like we're seeing 2018, we really saw all forms of art really, young black and black people in general step in and really take ownership over a lot of different realms and, and avenues that are looked at as mainly white. Uh, our hip hop is the biggest genre in the world right now. Um, so what, what challenges do you see, um, or that you even faced when you first got started as a creative that you would kind of mentor, give someone pointers to not let, let, let it hold them back from going into their creative mindset? Um, the biggest challenge is what other people think of you. I think that is the biggest thing. That and um, trying to be perfect. The idea of being a perfectionist. Um, trying to be a perfectionist in your craft, it kind of dulls you. It stops you from actually putting out work and content that you could have been just put out and you know let it be whatever it is. Because you're so concerned with, is this good enough? So as a creative, the the biggest thing I find is I'm my own worst critic. No matter what anyone else thinks of me, I am my own worst critic. If something doesn't feel good enough to me, I won't put it out. And I had to get out of my own mind about that. Also, um, like I said, what other people think of you, like if it can be good to me, but how will other people receive this? Are they going to be able to feel this with the intent that I wrote it? 
Yeah, I, I agree with that too. It's funny that you mentioned it because I think like, I think us as a people, we get so caught up in everything being looked at as perfect or, or a launch or something being messed up that sometimes we don't, we won't even get started because we're just, everything has, it has to be perfect. This has to line up, this has to, and then when things don't line up perfectly because they very rarely ever do, we won't, we, we stop, we don't go, go forward with it. And that's the biggest thing that I would tell someone is don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry. Learn as you go. It's okay. You're not going to die. Even if your first podcast, even if your first, like you with, with your slam poetry doesn't go well, take it and learn from, it. I think we're so afraid to learn. And I always say this is that you can learn more from failure than you can in success sometimes. And I think that we, we, we fear that sometimes don't fear that at all as creatives, like embrace that. That's where your opportunity to grow is. Absolutely. Um, the mantra I live by is do something that scares you shitless every day. That's what's up. Go ahead. Uh, and then like, even if something scares you, fuck it, do it anyway. Because after you do it and you look back on that experience, you're like, I'm glad I took that risk and did it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it taking, taking, and it's, and it's crazy because even I, if we don't just look at the failure sometimes and look at the fact that you were able to take that risk, you realize like, okay, that took a lot of courage. Now I'm going to, now that I, I got over the fear of doing it, let me now improve it and do it again. Like just keep doing it. Don't give up. I hate, I hate, I hate people giving up. I hate seeing like podcasts fail before they really get a chance to get started. I hate seeing artists who like come out with one mixtape and then they just drop off the face, face of the earth because the reception wasn't good. Like don't give up on your art. I, I, or if you are going to give up, then don't do it. Like, just don't do it. If you're, if you're not willing to give it your all and, and to work through the trials and tribulations, then don't do it. Right. Who, um, so in 2019, what is, what, 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 what are some of the ways that we can help support other creatives? Like, I, I of course, like bu- buying your book, listen to a podcast is obvious, but more so like help cultivate creatives. What, what, what would you suggest for anyone who maybe has a friend that's a creative and they're not like, what, what are the biggest ways that you look for, for support or that wish you wish you got support starting out? Um, it's okay to ask for help. I know we all think we're super people and we can do it all our own, but it's okay to ask for help because you never know if someone has an answer for a question that you got to ask. So that's the biggest thing. Get out of your own way. Ask for help if you need it. Um, Something as simple as just spreading a word about whatever talents that your creative friend has. Sometimes that's all it needs. Networking. You know, it might be someone that needs a service. Cool. I know at least three people that do that same service. Here's their contact information. Ask them their rate. See what they can do for you because you never know how far that could push them in their resume and their portfolio. That could take them to the next step in their career path. So it's, it's almost like... I won't even call it a barter system, but just keeping a Rolodex. Sometimes that helps, you know, keeping a Rolodex of people who have goods and services and creatives who do certain things to help push them, you know, in the career. And it could take them well surpass what they anticipated. Yeah, that's 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 true. I feel that. Um, it and that, that's something that I've had to learn myself is like how to support other ones. And with starting the breaks media, like that's what it's really all about is helping. I want the breaks media to be a platform. It's not about like getting even the awakened soul. Like I've gone on record to say that like my focus now is the breaks media. It's not even my my personal thing because I, I get more enjoyment out of seeing like technical foul or um seeing dark sugar like succeed. Like I, I get a lot of joy out of out of building a platform that helps them reach a larger audience 
Um, so yeah, help, help wherever you can. Like, don't be afraid. And like I say all the time, like, even if you have a friend that's a creative and what they're doing isn't necessarily your thing, it could be a thing of two or three of the people, you know, so still share, let them know that you have a friend that's doing X, Y, Z. If it's not their thing either, more power to them, but at least you're, you're, you're doing your part in bringing more attention to what someone's trying to do and putting their heart and soul into. Right. Cause you never know how far them referrals go. They go far. So, well, I mean, we've reached close to the end of our interview. We got an announcement to make, too. So for anyone who doesn't know, and I know a lot of my listeners already know, but Tanisha did used to have a podcast um, and I've actually lured you back into podcasting. Do you want to go ahead and tell the people what what I was able to convince you to do? <laughs> so is it that I'm taking over the minor Hayes segment? Is that what it is? Uh, n- no, nah, you're 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 gonna have your own. Um, I still okay. may do it, but yeah, it, I'll still have the end of mine hey segment. But you're definitely you're gonna have your own segment to do your own thing on. So I don't know what we're gonna call it yet. We haven't come up with the name, but you will be hearing this lovely voice on the Awakened Soul each and every week. He got me, y'all. He got me. <laughs> <laughs> so are you excited though? Quite, quite. You know. I'm just hoping to spray a little bit of ray of sunshine, you know, give out some information somebody might need, maybe a vent session here and there. But, you know, I usually don't get in my feelings too much. That's what that's for the book. That's what I saved that for. <laughs> I feel that, you know, we got we got to meet that DMV accent quota. So that's what it is. You know what? <laughs> I'm sick of you. <laughs> But all right, I want to thank you seriously for coming on, sharing your work, sharing your just everything, sending me this book. Like it's, I, I, I appreciate you. That's what I want to say, really, truly, and honestly, I do. Thank you for having me. Tell the wonderful listeners of the Awakened Soul where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Queen underscore Poison. That is Q U E E N underscore P zero. I I S zero N and yeah, that's about it. Cause I answer Instagram and Twitter quite frequently. So that's a good way to reach me. (laughs) Well, that's what's up. You guys go, go check out the book. Matter of fact, I need to hear from you. So when you read the book, send me an email, let me know what you think about it. And I will forward it to Tanisha. You can send it to her directly, but let's support this book people. That's it. We're going to go ahead and peace out. And I'm going to bother Tanisha a little bit more. I'll see you guys in a little bit. I had a therapist tell me once it was ironic how much love I gave out because I didn't give much to myself. She laughed like self love was a sick joke. I chuckled and cried at home. I had someone tell me once I could not love anyone else until I learned to love myself. This time I got to laugh. This time the sick joke was mine. It was me. Might as well wait forever. I remember hating myself at the age of seven. Journals filled to the brim with criticisms by eight. I had enough pages to stitch them into wings, to fly close enough to the sun to see my tears turn to steam. Felt the wax burn on my shoulders and mold into thick skin. I was nine when I wanted to die. Thirteen when I found a solution, figured if I could cut my legs enough, gravity would let me go. When it didn't, I tied a pillowcase around my neck, twisting like the rope swings I knew so well from childhood. Heard my heartbeat pound in my ears like a warning drum, then fade. I'd almost convinced myself I'd done it. When I started writing, I smeared my blood on every page to remind myself that everything beautiful has a consequence. 
I'd hope to stall the clouding long enough to give myself to the craft and let myself go. I have died so many times. So when I told you that loving you almost makes life worth it, I was not joking. When I tell you that loving you almost makes me forget how much I hate myself, it is not poetry. Loving you is taking all the love I could never give myself and putting it to good use. It is reminding myself that if someone can love a dying thing this way, can hold the Lazarus of my body and give thanks for the way it holds back, if someone can kiss the scars, administer the pills, absorb the bad days, and wake up smiling next to me, then I can try to breathe again. Because self-love does not always come first, or second, or even ever. But your love be the guardrail on the ledge, be the drawers that hide all the sharp things, be the body that carries my collapsed frame into bed, be the flowers you bought. Because even though they are dying too, they still dance. Love will not heal me, will not wipe my slate of a body clean. I will always be a woman of wounds, of rope-marked neck and melted skin. Love will not heal me, but it will hold my hand if I ever heal myself. And maybe teach me a joke that I can stay alive long enough to laugh at. I love you enough to want to love myself too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Awakened Soul, episode 83. Um, I'm CEO Hayes. You can follow me at CEO H A I Z E. You can follow the Awaken Soul Pod at Awaken Soul Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, the Awaken Soul Pod at gmail.com. And lastly, you can call us, leave us a voicemail, uh, text us at 614-547-2039. Let me know how you guys felt about the show. Reach out to me. You guys are really good about doing that. Thank you for taking this journey along with me. Um, I will see you lovely and beautiful people next week. Peace. credit card bill.